1: Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid
0: Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo, woo.
2: And now, Dan and Ty.
0: Welcome back to the
2: Solid Verbal, boys and girls. My name is Ty Hildenbrand, that fine gentleman over there. To my left, as you are watching at home, Dan Rubenstein, sir. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. How goes it? It's pretty good, Ty, even though it is, you know,
1: winter time, even though it is the off season, there's always stuff to talk about. And I'm always thinking about ways, right? We can juice up the solid verbal right in the off season, the the cold months. And I guess talking about a five plus seven playoff system is our best bet right now. I just wonder, is there anything we can leak, Ty? I always feel like that's the move (laughs) to leak something. Can we leak something? Do you have anything to leak? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Ty, come on! What do you have? I mean, do you we, have? Are there like solid verbal tapes that like we have somebody like off record saying something crazy? We need a
2: leak right now. I and do I don't know have. If you have it. I do have an old conversation that we decided not to run. Okay. That I but there's nothing scandalous on it. It just wasn't a good interview. Who is it with? I can't, I'm not gonna say that was it with hunter biden it was uh, <laughs> no i'm just looking that at that like the
1: the, the the twitter and x there you know what happens sometimes that time, would get the is, engagement but no that would get the engagement and I, I i don't know anything about hunter biden either way but i i sometimes <laughs> look at the side of x or twitter whatever you call it and i'll see a name and I'll be like i don't know who this is i'm gonna click this name and then so like oh man there are leak tapes of this dude or of this gal and you're just like Still don't know what the tapes would be of. Still don't know what this person is, but like four hundred eighty thousand tweets about it exist. So Ty, really think on what we can leak from a college football or just a personal perspective that can juice up the solid verbal in these cold months.
2: Well, if I could, yeah, you gave me a bit of an opening. I'll, One thing I was that I to do. that I did kind of leak to our Patreon verbalerhood. I put together like a fifteen minute video showing how I edit a podcast. <laughs> oh, Ty. Not like that. Does that
1: count? No. No? It's great content. It really is. If you want the secret sauce of skills. it's not audio the secret skills. sauce.
2: I'm not I'm not so dumb as to give away the secret sauce, but I gave away at least a little bit of the game on how we put one of these together.
1: Okay. That's cool. That's a start, but we need to get we need to get fiery with this
2: leak. Verballers.com, of course, <laughs> is the Patreon, dot com, bonus episodes, ad-free content, Discord access, so on and so forth. Uh, if we have any coaching rumors, maybe we'll drop them there. We don't have any coaching rumors at the moment. Hopefully, the coaching carousel is done freaking spinning, and we could talk about some other things yes. this offseason. You may have heard about the five and seven model. No, we're not talking about Florida football. Oh, but, um, Ty, cha- why? Why? But I'm um, cha, baby. Don't do it like that. On Tuesday, we had some news. The college football playoff board of managers, apparently a thing, mm. unanimously approved the five plus seven model for the new 12 team playoff. That, of course, starts this season. We thought maybe we would take some time here and unpack exactly what that means. It also gives me reason to play this. It's new Year's Eve all
1: right,
2: that's enough out of Jimmy yeah, Kimmel. Yeah. I don't know if they'll resurrect that commercial or not, not, but there is going to be a game this year on New Year's Eve. Just one game it will be um, one of the quarterfinal matchups. I believe the Fiesta Bowl, the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. We can talk through the schedule, what that looks like, but more specifically, Dan, the five plus seven model, the teams that will qualify for this first round of the 12 team playoff is as such the five highest ranked conference champions and then the next seven highest ranked teams. The first four or the highest ranked four conference champions are going to get a first round bye. Then after that, we start talking about the brackets, right? Five, six, seven, and eight. Those teams are going to get a home playoff game on their respective campus. A lot of talk as to how the group of five or whatever the group of five is now going to be called fits into all of this. We can discuss this in a little bit more detail here, Dan. But um, no big surprises, right? This was kind of in the works for a while, obviously, given the fact that the Pac-12 dissolved meant that they were going to have to revisit and take another look at who gets into the playoff and who doesn't get into the playoff. So now they've settled on this. They've settled on the power four conference champions. Likely, likely, Likely. right? So it's the five highest
1: ranked conference champions. So it's likely those four. Um,
2: But you never know, I suppose, right? It is possible that in a... 2021 scenario where Cincinnati won its conference and was ranked very highly. They could be one of those teams that gets a first round bye. but in all likelihood, it is shaping up to be in most years, the winner of the big 10 SEC, big 12 and ACC getting that first round by, by virtue of their conference championship. Yeah,
1: And I think the, the Washington state, Oregon state element of it all, if I, if I remember correctly, is that. The Oregon State, Washington State, Pac-12, whatever we're calling it right now, um, had sort of abstained or kicked the can down the road in terms of voting on format for a while. And then yesterday, I think it's his name is Kirk Schultz, the president of Washington State. Wazoo, yeah, he's he's in Wazoo leadership. I don't know, chancellor, president, whatever. Um, he voted in favor of the five and seven model with the idea that it would be far easier for Washington State or Oregon State to get into a 12-team playoff as one of seven at-large teams rather than six. That's right. Which was the old model. Um, And to that I say, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Washington State and Oregon State. I know uh, Oregon State, I believe, has four power conference teams on their schedule this year because they have this agreement with the Mountain West. I believe they play Oregon, Cal, Purdue, and Wazoo. So... That's at least a step in the right direction They're I'm sure in, in better years going to try and schedule like when we had independent BYU scheduling a right. number of power five teams to try to impress a, a playoff committee potentially. But um, that's an uphill battle. That's going to be an uphill battle. And it's really hard to see either Washington State or Oregon State making the playoff unless it's an undeniable undefeated year um, to get one of those spots in addition to whoever it is you know Tulane or Boise State San Diego State whatever whoever wins the the American or Mountain West or Sun Belt whoever is able to secure that um, it it's going to take that and given where their rosters are and given where their finances are I think this is it's sort of a foregone conclusion that until one of those teams or both of those teams join a bigger conference they're just not going to be in the playoff
2: yeah it'd be very tough to get in right yeah um, where things stand though, I think just from a scheduling standpoint, from a, a format standpoint, yeah. we knew a lot of this already. We expected that they were going to revise the system to more of the five and seven model as opposed to the six and six, which you referenced a minute ago, the way things stand now, as we walk way ahead into December, whenever that first week of games was, during bowl season when you're talking about like the bahamas bowl those types of games that weekend that very first weekend is when you're going to see those four on-campus playoff games it starts on a friday night there are three games the next day on saturday then there's about a 10-day holdover yeah, period christmas new year's ish yeah right You get to New Year's Eve. You've got one of the three quarterfinals, or one of the four quarterfinals, excuse me, the Fiesta Bowl, as I mentioned earlier. And then the following day on January the 1st, you've got the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the Allstate Sugar Bowl. Early afternoon, late afternoon, evening kickoff. So three quarterfinal games that are gonna be played on New Year's Day. Then you've got about nine, 10 days, again, in between. The semifinal is played Typically on that week when we would play the national championship. So they bump it out a few days. It's going to be a Thursday and Friday. This is very weird. Try and play along in your head. I'm sure I can post the graphics somewhere out on our, on our Twitter account. Yeah. Um, Thursday and Friday, the ninth and 10th, you've got your two semifinal games in the orange bowl and in the cotton bowl. And then there's another 10 days after that. That's when you're playing your national championship this year. It's going to be in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, Monday, January the 20th. So they push everything out about 10 days, maybe a little bit longer. We've got an extra round or two in there, obviously, because there are going to be more teams, but it basically starts when the bowls start and it will be the bookend to bowl season as well over the span of about 40 days or so. I don't know if I counted that right, but at least 30 days to a month-ish, this is going to be an extended, drawn-out playoff that we have not seen before. So um, we can react to that if we want to. I also wanted to react a little bit to who we think this benefits and what the experience might be like for us as fans because um, we have gotten questions from people wondering what's the playoff going to look like, how's it going to work. I think now we have a pretty good sense for how it's going to work. I have a graphic here that we can maybe talk through of what it would have looked like this past season and how maybe the results would have or could have looked differently than they they ended up being. Where are we starting with this?
1: Obviously Notre Dame came up and that's a really easy discussion point. You mentioned the calendar. I looked at uh, while you were speaking what December 2024 looks like. I don't have official confirmation. It looks like it'll be December 18th will be the early signing day. Mm. So two days before that Friday night. So presumably a number of those teams that are going to be in the inaugural 12-team playoff are going to be... They'll they'll probably have already have secured their class mostly, but it will still be a stress point that week as they are practicing to play in the first round of the college football playoff. That's going
2: to be wild. That's going to be wild.
1: You know, when you think about how teams like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, all of these teams, Oklahoma, Texas, that, you know are putting themselves in position to be in that 12 team playoff in in year one. That's also a very stressful time for them. The portal will be open in this time. If the portal, what the portal opens the Monday after conference championship weekend. That's right. So this will be portal time as well. This will be bowl prep. This will be just post finals, I believe. So there's that there's the idea of our kids playing for playoff teams are they going to get any sort of holiday break in that 10 11 day window how is that going to work exactly um it's a long time but i suppose you can just have kids stay on camp an empty campus all these kids are gonna be on empty campuses practicing which you know not terribly different than bowl practice in some scenarios and then we're gonna dot the the gaps between the what the 21st is the three games right? Twentieth yeah. and twenty-first. Right. Between the twenty-first and thirty-first, with other bowl games, not to mention the NFL's regular season concluding. Obviously, Christmas Day is a big NBA day now, and now the NFL plays on Christmas Day. That the 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 worry for me, and this is just in taking in the calendar, is like college ball playoff could get lost in a sports calendar. It doesn't really bother me. I'm going to watch all the games. It doesn't really bother our listeners. Everybody's going to watch as many games as they're they're interested in. But I, I wonder what it's going to do for bigger picture for the sport with like that 10-day break. And then what? It's a month between the first game and the national championship. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So so you're asking for a lot of investment time-wise, more so than I think we have seen uh, in a college football postseason.
2: Yeah. A lot. I'd, I'd be curious to know from the Verbalerhood how they, how they feel about all this. I mean, we've been doing this show since 2008. We've been around a good long time with this podcast. And typically, December was the month when things start to wind down, right? If your team is in a bowl game, you care about the bowl game. Sure. If your team is in a meaningful bowl game, you obviously care a lot more. But typically, December is the month where people kind of stretch their legs a little bit. They're able to watch college football more casually. It depends on the matchup, depends on the bowl game, depends on, frankly, when the game is being played because people's lives take them in different directions after three months of being fully committed to college football. At least that's how it's worked here in the footballer hood. Right. What I think we're seeing now gradually is because of the portal, because of coaching moves. Opt-outs, yeah. Because of opt-outs, because of the way that they spaced out the bowl calendar. Over the last decade or so, we have seen this slow creep back into December. We have seen more reasons to care about meaningful college football into December, into January, into, you know, some of these spots on the calendar where college football didn't usually have much of a much of a foothold, um, at least not traditionally. Now, how will that change with this? I think remains to be seen. I expect that interest will be extraordinarily high, at least the first year that they do this. Um, I think having more big market blue blood programs playing for a meaningful prize late into the season will definitely drive interest. And so you may have seen, I, I know it's not like official, but ESPN was working with the college football playoff to try and finalize something like a six-year, 7.8 billion dollar licensing deal. Whereby yeah. they could not only broadcast these games on their network, but could also sub-license out so that other providers could, maybe Amazon, whoever, if they wanted to put a game on the airwaves, they could they could do so as well. So that sure. that is kind of in the works. It is not done yet. There was some reporting. It, it seemed like somebody jumped the gun on it, but it it's headed in that direction. There's a lot of money on the line here, and I think they see it as well. Right if if in fact we've got a game. That first bowl weekend, where typically we're looking at the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and now we're looking at a game between Penn State and Ohio State, as would have been the case this yeah. year, or a game between Ole Miss and Georgia, Missouri and Oregon, even even Liberty and Florida State. These would all have been meaningful games if we did it this past season. Clearly, ESPN's looking at that and they're saying, all right, we we understand there's going to be a ton of fan interest in that, especially now, given the fact that the winner of that game it's it's win and go through lose and go home winner of that game is going to go to a quarterfinal matchup against one of the top four. Like there, there's a lot of interest, I think, with the way that that thing is set up. What I am very curious, though, is when we see the drop off in interest, because college football typically has that right before it was the beginning of December, because it's really just a matter of the haves and the have nots. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen after the semifinals, after the quarterfinals, after the first round of those games on campus. But that, I think, is something that the folks who monitor TV ratings and things of that nature, I, I would be very curious to see when we start seeing the interest wane a little bit in this. I hope it never does. I'm a huge proponent of a 12 team right. playoff, but I think the the normal kind of behavior of college football fans has always shown that there is a moment in this postseason where people start to move on to either the NFL or something else. And so to your point, yeah, it could get lost in the shuffle. There's suddenly a very, very crowded sports calendar in the month of December.
1: Yeah, I think it'll happen after the quarters. I think people are used to the New Year's time and then going to, you know, getting the national championship on a Monday night, you know, January 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, somewhere like that. It's a Thursday and Friday night, the semis, right? right? That's right. I just... I think you're really asking a lot of viewer habits. I think there is something that there's something about the way ESPN and the playoff, whatever are approaching this in a very NFL way. Like the NFL always tests, like people can't get enough. What if we put it on Thursday? What if we did it Saturday? What What if we we do it in Brazil? Yeah, right. What if we go overseas? What like, and people, what if we add another game? 17 games has not affected interest. If, if nothing else, people just continue to not be able to get enough. And with how a rhythmic this is, there's something very rhythmic about the NFL calendar that you you play for whatever, 18 straight weeks is the regular season. Now there's no time off between the season and the playoff. There's a couple weeks at least, right? You might not see a Notre Dame game between late November and December 21st, right? So you're talking about three and a half, four weeks or something like that. Potentially. I don't have Notre Dame schedule in front of me. So Notre Dame, one of the premier national college football teams, almost a month, <laughs> three, four weeks, whatever, without playing in this scenario because they're not playing in a conference championship game. So you're taking two and a half, if not more weeks off. So if, if a team has a buy, they won't be playing between what? December 4th-ish and New Year's. So which is not unusual in the old bowl system. No. And then you're asking for people to to either take those three, four weeks off or take a couple weeks off before December 20th and then 10 days off, 11 days off before the next round and then another nine days or so. It's like there is something extremely arrhythmic about this calendar that's asking a lot of people who are not diehards. People will find, you know, you're a Clemson fan and Clemson's in the playoff. You're going to find their games. You're going to go out of your mind hoping Clemson beats whoever, Wisconsin. But just in terms of how this operates and how to maintain interest when bowl interest is sharply declining, um, I don't know what the TV ratings have indicated, but I'm just trying to find the excitement. Obviously, lies in games being on campus, matchups we haven't seen. You know, if you're a believer that you know a 12 team playoff is great for finding a champion, there's a ton of excitement here, but the way it's constructed
2: is asking a lot of people. The the construction's a little clunky. I'll give you that. I'm I'm excited. I celebrate this. I've, you know, I mean we've <laughs> we've talked about this until we're blue in the face many times over. I I love the fact that we have more teams now that are going to be part of this. I sure. think. I think it makes for a better product in the offseason, but I'm also a realist and we've been doing this a long time, long enough to know that there is a point at which college football is somewhat in conflict with the other things people have going on this time of year. And uh, so again, I'm not rooting for any kind of interest in college football to decline, but I'm just curious to see what the ratings show and, and how it compares to what we've seen over the last 10 years or so now with the four team playoff. Um, You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. We'll see. Um, The way that things would have worked this year, Obviously, your top four would have gotten that by. So Michigan, Washington, Texas and Alabama would have been on by. And then they would have played, as I said earlier, Liberty, the winner of Liberty versus Florida State would have played Alabama. Missouri versus Oregon would have played Michigan. Ole Miss versus Georgia would have played Texas. Penn State versus Ohio State, the winner would have played Washington. I think if nothing more, I mean, one of the arguments against this system as a whole was, well, it's going to be the same teams. doesn't matter how many teams you put in it. It's going to be the same teams at the very top. Now, maybe that sentiment has faded a bit with the likes of, you know, Nick Saban walking away from college football. He was one of those stalwarts who's kind of always in the hunt. Um, I do think in looking at this, we almost definitely would have gotten a different semifinal matchup than what we saw this past season. I don't, I don't like, there's no way that Michigan, Washington, Texas and Alabama would have run the table and made it through into the semifinal, given that Washington probably plays Ohio State, given that Texas probably plays Georgia, that Michigan probably plays Oregon. I just don't think you can make that argument looking at the way things would have been this past season. It would have been a different field. It just, I you know, does that pique interest? I don't know.
1: I also, you know, I wonder, look, if you look at last year's schedule, like, yes, more players would have played for Florida State in a playoff game than Florida State not making the playoff game, not making the playoff last year and taking on Georgia and it conflicting with the portal window. But if you're a Florida State player that's positive, you're going to transfer. And the portal window and the enrollment window is what it is. And you know Jordan Travis is 100% not playing in this bowl game. And you know that this bowl game is against Liberty. All due respect to Liberty's season. But if you are somebody who can potentially earn a a big NIL payday by transferring somewhere big, if you're a Florida State player, are you putting your body on the line for Liberty in this game? Right. I just... i i. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a playoff opt-out.
2: We're going to have some weird circumstances with that because of the calendar. And we've talked about the calendar before. There's not really a good way for college football to handle this transfer window. It's been a bit of a debacle. And we're both pro-transfer portal. But the calendar does make for more Malik Murphy-type situations where his team is playing in a playoff. And if he wants to transfer because he sees the writing on the wall, he knows he's not going to get playing time at Texas. If he wants to transfer, he has to do so while his team is in the playoff. I don't know if there are some contingencies that can be built in that can accommodate situations like that. But Malik Murphy had no choice but to enter the portal and not play in that playoff game when Texas, you know, had their matchup earlier this year. It sucks. That makes it really, really difficult provided they can't figure out some other means to, you know, accommodate folks who are in the playoff. You're going to have some odd circumstances. And I wonder from an NIL standpoint, is there anything that can be done to incentivize these players to play in these playoff games? It's a
1: calendar thing for Malik Murphy. I don't think you, if you write Malik Murphy, a check for $1.2 million, is he playing in that game knowing he's leaving for probably not. He's like, it's a great gesture. It's a great moral gesture, but like, what does it actually mean if he's thinking more long term than just two weeks away?
2: Know. Yeah. it makes it it makes it next to impossible to figure out the calendar. I think when 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 combined with this,
1: you'd you'd have to figure out some sort of enrollment exemption and then you're just getting into dealing with admissions at different schools. Like I think it can be done. I think it becomes tricky, and you kind of have to, like, argue for what purpose especially if it's a backup player it's not even like a a starter and quarterback is a special position obviously it's a little bit different in that only one guy can be on the field at the at a time but no it makes it there's there's going to be though that that gap between like december 4th and december 20th is going to be a very newsy gap as it continue i mean it'll continue to be a very newsy gap um and yeah, I look at this first round and like, how could we possibly know who's better between Georgia and Ole Miss? How could we possibly, <laughs> right. is is Georgia still 35 points better <laughs> than Ole Miss? Right. I guess we'll have to find out. And even like looking at the Oregon-Washington thing, like man, Oregon had a two cracks at a playoff team. Lost them both. Like, right. okay. Penn State, Ohio State. How could we know who's better than Penn State <laughs> between Penn State and Ohio
2: State? How could we possibly figure that out without this 12-team playoff? So. I don't know. Mizzou, Oregon seems fun to me, though. So let's let's talk about the Notre Dame circumstance, because I I saw this making the rounds on social media as well. Um, There appeared to be some folks who responded initially. To Notre Dame's place in all of this by saying, wow, this is this is not advantageous for Notre Dame. This is, quote, brutal. And then after getting some replies in effect, debating against themselves because it is not brutal. It is not any more brutal for Notre Dame than it is anybody else. And frankly, the more you think about it, the more amazed you should feel that everyone else went along with this for Notre Dame. I think it benefits Notre Dame more than any other team. Notre Dame does not have to play a game during conference championship week because they're not in a conference. They get that extra week off functionally, that is their bye week They did
1: get that chance, though, right? About four years ago, Notre Dame got to play in a conference championship game. I imagine it went well.
2: Continue. (laughs) But functionally speaking, how dare you? Functionally (laughs) speaking, their bye week just happens a little bit earlier. Likely, for Notre Dame, if they finish in the top eight, they are also going to get a first-round playoff game. South Bend. Yeah. And they also get a decent shot at playing whoever that group of five or non-power conference team qualifier is if they finish in the top five as well. See, Notre Dame can't finish in the top four by virtue of these new rules. The way that it's set up, the top four teams that get an automatic buy are conference champions. The top four ranked conference champions. Notre Dame will never fall into that category. So if Notre Dame ends up being the number one team in college football, at the end of you know, conference championship week, December the 5th, we wake up. Notre Dame's the number one team. They would still be the number five seed. Notre Dame is actually set up really, really well. God, if they had a buy <laughs> that opening week,
1: that's Five full weeks. They played their final game against Stanford this year on November 25th. That's right. So you're talking about 36 or so days with a, a
2: playoff by. That's insane. There were there are a lot of folks who again responded to this. I think without fully thinking it through. Yeah. Do not dunk on Notre Dame for the way that this thing is set up. This benefits them oh, handsomely. That's great for Notre Dame. Yeah. Handsomely. Now. What happens when they get into the playoff? What happens when they play some of these teams? That remains, I think, the open question for not just Notre Dame as a whole, but Marcus Freeman and 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 the whole lot there. But do not shed a tear for Notre Dame. They make out handsomely with this arrangement. I've said for a long time. The thing that will eventually force Notre Dame into a conference is not the playoff. It's money. It's money. It's if things go off the rails with Florida State and the ACC, and suddenly the ACC becomes insolvent. If we have further conference realignment, then, then we will see Notre Dame be forced to a decision. But for the time being, this setup is pretty damn beneficial. And um, I support it. I've, I wore my Notre Dame shirt here. I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I just can't believe everybody else agreed to it. it. It seems like it really puts, should they finish in the top eight, it puts Notre Dame... In a really, really good spot. I'm trying to figure out if I'm a top team, do I actually want a buy?
1: And I know that sounds counterintuitive. But when you talk about the amount of time off, th- there's something about like, if you're a coach to take between like December 3rd and December 31st. So that's what four weeks four weeks of you know. herding cats, <laughs> right? making sure everybody shows up on time making sure everybody passes their finals, making sure, you know, everybody attends, you know, their, their workout stuff and film sessions. And I, I, on a certain level, like I feel like you're just getting antsy. You're getting so antsy and to go four weeks without playing on a certain level, guys are going to heal up, right? Guys, yeah. guys who have missed a bunch of time, you know, Tore something in week four and they're not sure if you're going to be able to make the three four extra weeks of rehab that's a great advantage right it's really good for depth it's really good for health it's really good for everything except playing right you want to be in a rhythm you want to have your schedule you there is something that I I think is advantageous about being more locked in because
2: you've played a game if you are a listener out there i'd be curious to know hypothetically speaking let's take the case of alabama this year alabama got in as a four seed right yep would you rather be alabama with conference championship in a bye week get to play that game on a neutral site or would you rather be florida state would you rather be florida state also conference champion but gets a home game against liberty in round one winner, in this case, again, if we're looking at this past season as a, as a go-by, the winner would move on to play Alabama. Right. But would you rather have that first-round bye or that first-round game at home against a team you know you're better than? The same is true for a team like Georgia, right? However, could we know if Georgia's better than Ole Miss? Well, we had a pretty good idea of that earlier in the year. Right. In a hypothetical playoff game, Georgia is home against Ole Miss. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Georgia wins that game. Would you rather have that home game against Ole Miss or would you rather be Texas and have the bye week and play the winner of that Georgia Ole Miss game?
1: If I'm Alabama or Florida State, I'm definitely choosing Alabama because you're either getting a Jordan Travis-less Florida sure. State team as your first matchup or Liberty as your first matchup. So you take the bye, you do everything you can, especially when you're Nick Saban and you have a certain amount of clout to convince everybody that is going to enter the portal to enter it the day. I don't know the day after last year. What what day did the portal window close? It's like January 2nd. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. in there. Right. So you got to sort of convince people to stick around um, for another, an extra week. I, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know if there's some players who are going to say I'm entering the portal, but also playing in this game. Um, yeah. I'd rather be Alabama. I'd rather be, um, if you're saying if I'd, I'd rather be Georgia or Texas or Georgia, Ole Miss or Texas yeah. in this scenario, right? I think I'd rather be Georgia. I think you lose that sec championship game. You're, you're, you're sort of champing at the bit to get back on the fields and prove yourself, get back into a rhythm. It's presumably Georgia is going to sign the best class in the country. One of the best three classes in the country. So there's gonna be a lot of momentum around the program. I, I think I'd rather be Georgia there. You get the home game and in, Probably not bad weather against Ole Miss in Athens. It's not going to be great, but it's not going to be going on the road to somewhere in the Pacific Northwest or the Midwest where it's going to be freezing. And you sort of are able to diagnose things in a way that you can't necessarily do if you are Texas. So to get a home game in, in an advantageous place where against a team you know you can beat up on... And then get a neutral site game against, you know, I would imagine Georgia would be favored against Texas, right? If they were to play in in this moment, even though Texas is the higher ranked team, it would be hard to imagine a world in which Georgia is not giving four and a half points or something in that game. So I think I'd rather be Georgia, not just because I'm better, but because you sort of have a better sense of where you are as a program
2: uh, in that time. Yeah, the portal will make things interesting because you're going to need depth to make it the full four yep. rounds of this thing, right? Whether you gotta, Even regardless of the portal, you're going to need depth. Yeah. You're going to need depth regardless of the portal, but I think um, adding all these extra games now definitely makes roster depth, roster construction paramount, recruiting your own players paramount. Should a non-Power 5 team get a little bit deeper into this thing, we start to see some interesting things play out I think with uh, respect to depth charts transfer portals and whatnot
1: every single G5 program is at risk for losing key players in the portal window and so yes it's great that you made the playoff yes it's represent you know you win your conference you are the the lone representative of G5 football whatever in the college football playoff but who's to say your depth is not going to be severely thinned out you know, in that window as guys are weighing like I can go be the starting right tackle for USC. I can go be the starting, you know, strong safety for Wisconsin, or do I want to start in a playoff game against Georgia? Like it's the timing of it's going to be so odd, and it really puts a lot of players and even coaches in super tough spots. This is going to be wild, man.
2: It is going to be wild as for how it affects us. <laughs> yeah. More importantly, um, the most important thing. I mean, you take a vacation in December going to have to figure out taking a vacation with podcasting equipment. Yeah. Going to have to figure out exactly how that works. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of folks have always asked us, are you going to, you going to be doing live shows, to be doing anything um, in January, given where the national championships have been over the mm-hmm. years we're gonna have to reassess that as well we're gonna have a couple different bowl games i guess that we could consider attending consider doing events around this coming season in 2024 2025 right Also, looking at the, the
1: locations so we've got at&t arlington national championship in atlanta all right i can sleep on my cousin zach's couch i don't know where you're you gotta fend for yourself yeah um we got miami we got New Orleans, got Rose Bowl, Jan 1. Yeah. They're decent locations. I mean, these these are all fine locations. Oh, uh-huh. Atlanta's doing two games. So they got the Peach Bowl and the National Championship this year, but they can handle that. That's no problem. Yep. You got Arizona, December 31st, and then we've got the campus sites. Yep. And even more, Northwestern and Ryan Field. <laughs> so when Northwestern <laughs> is hosting that first rounder yeah, yeah they're gonna have to host it at seat geek stadium seat on the geek south stadium. side a little soccer action yeah uh wrigley Field, <laughs> late december wrigley that's who's a not in that's I, have, a I have good pizza recommendations um yeah i see to me the the clear appeal of this situation is the campus stadiums oh, the campus it's, sites. it's gonna be huge the weather's gonna be terrible It's not ideal to attend some of these games from a weather perspective. We'll see, you know, to be in Columbus, to be in Eugene, whatever, in late December, if those are teams that end up there. But the energy in that first round, because it's still a little bit before Christmas. um, So I think you're going to be able to get enough people in those stadiums to fill them and get a a frenzied atmosphere. Uh, A little bit concerned, happy to be proven wrong, About those semifinal matchups like you understand why somebody would go to the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl like the to sell me on Miami or New Orleans or whatever. That could be the drop off, right? Is that the drop off? That's what I that's why I said it before where it's like, yeah, it's no problem. I have this time off from work. My kids have time off from school. It's winter break. Let's go to New Orleans and watch the Sugar Bowl. Let's go you know, let's let's have a great time watching our team and go to a great town. Not that Miami's not great, whatever, but you're like, okay, I'm back from winter break. My kids are in school or whatever. I'm just gonna fly on a on Wednesday, January seventh or something to go to a Thursday night game. Nobody connected
2: to this will talk about this sort of thing. Right. They won't. But it's it's very real. It's very real. And that's not me rooting for it again. We celebrate all that is this wonderful sport. Yeah. Scaffolding on top of scaffolding, what have you. But there will be a moment in this playoff where, where we see that sort of interest wane or we see it change. Um, it is tough to get to all these games. I mean, you're frankly, if you're a fan of any of these teams in the playoff, unless you're willing to roll out, you know, <laughs> a pretty good chunk of change, you're not going to go to all these games. When you're going to have to be strategic about it, right? You're like, I have
1: to roll the dice that I think my team can win this quarterfinal matchup because I'd much rather yeah. go to a semi closer to me in Texas, closer to me in Pasadena, closer to me in Miami, whatever. And you're like, I I think I'm going to hold off because going to the semi site is easier, according going to the quarter site is easier for me than, you know, driving 7 hours or flying 3 hours to go back to campus or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of sort of travel calculus involved with fans. Hope it works out for everybody. I I, yeah. I want nothing but full stadiums, loud stadiums, energetic stadiums, but you know, it's it's. I think it's more fraught with complications.
2: Well, I'm glad they finally pulled it off, to be okay. honest with you. And I get that the logistics of it are weird and clunky. And certainly the calendar is not doing anyone any favors. I'm just glad that we've got more teams in this thing. I always thought 4 was stupid. Some, some have argued that 6 would have been the perfect number, that 8 would have been the perfect number, that 16 is the perfect number. We got 12. So... At this point, that is all water under the bridge. We are where we're at. And the fact that they've now approved the five and seven model, the fact now that we've actually got structure around this thing, we know where and when games will be played. Yeah. To some degree, um, it's starting to feel very, very real. The 2024 season is going to be bonkers. This is going to be the biggest year ever in the history of college football. It's not just because of the conference realignment. It's not just because of the playoff realignment. It is certainly because of continued motion on the transfer portal side of things, NIL, how that has impacted the game, the college freaking football video game that is coming out at some point, hopefully this July. There's just a lot that has been percolating for a while to make 2024 one of the bigger seasons ever. And uh, you may not like all of these changes, frankly, for a lot of people who listen to us. It might be a bit too much. I understand where those folks are coming from. Listen, Ty you cannot expand a mall too much, right? Everybody knows that malls
1: will last forever. (laughs) There will always be lines outside of Wilson's leather. (laughs) That's how the world works that people kind of like malls. So let's build a thousand malls every few acres and Keep, every everybody gets a footlocker kids get a footlocker ladies get a footlocker we get a regular footlocker you got your like special nike air jordan foot like right. there's no way this expansion will lead to anything
2: but unlimited prosperity ty <laughs> you know that and i know that Solidverbal@gmail.com at gmail.com is as always our email address right in, let us know your thoughts on the five plus seven model the 12 team playoff which is slowly becoming a real thing in our college football universe. The Solid Verbal is sponsored by BetterHelp. Here's a question. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you take a nap? You know, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had a little more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you in the first place, Therapy can help you figure that out and help you make it a priority so you can do more of it. Therapy can benefit everyone. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, or just trying to find the best version of yourself. It's not just for folks who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit slash solid today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P, dot slash solid. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to
0: 25% with Allstate.
1: Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Did you see, by the way, that both, I think, reportedly, the SEC and the Big Ten are like, "Mm, we want multiple guaranteed spots, Mm -hmm. guys, because... We hold all the chips. We hold this all the cards.
2: This is a topic for a different discussion. They
1: were pushing for it, man. Two, three, four
2: automatic Big Ten SEC schools. Where this, Where this goes next. Yeah. Where this goes next, and this is certainly a topic for a different episode. The haves versus the have-nots. The SEC, the Big Ten hold all the chips. And they know it. They know they can negotiate from a position of strength. And if you paid any attention to some of the reporting that came out on this Florida State ACC situation towards the end of last week, seems to be something of an indication among these legal filings that there could be a negotiated buyout to get out of this ACC grant of rights deal if you're Florida State. Right. You could pay an exorbitant sum of money. It's been estimated into the hundreds of millions of dollars. But it's possible per some of these filings that there could be a negotiated settlement that would get them out sooner. And so if that is the case, Dan. Yeah. And if we are staring down the barrel of what would seemingly be another round of pretty significant conference realignment, all bets are off. All bets are off with this playoff system, the way it's structured now that we just talked about for the last 40 minutes. All bets are off with conference structure, the way we've come to know them now over the last six to eight months. All bets are off, I think, with college football as a whole and how it fits into the academic model, how it fits into the NCAA. Does it break off and become its own thing? I think Florida State holds the key to the next round of whatever this becomes. And if in fact there is any kind of negotiation that could take place and if they get private funding or regular funding or pass around the hat sure. to take care of whatever it's going to cost to get out of the ACC, I think that is when college football goes nuclear and that is when things really start to go haywire. We are not there yet. Mm-hmm. Conversations with unequal sharing of revenue among the two biggest and most most uh, prosperous conferences kind of the tip of the iceberg Florida state, maybe negotiating a way out of the grant of rights, maybe the tip of a different iceberg at some point, all these things are going to converge and it's going to be part of like an eight hour podcast series that we have to do talking (laughs) about the future of college football. We're not there yet, but it's coming. It's coming soon. So
1: the only exception I'll, I'll take with what you just said when you, you sort of led that off with the big 10 and the sec hold all the chips. I, I don't think that's true. I think ESPN and Fox hold all of the chips. By proxy. So By proxy sure. It's those are who's that's the those are the check writers. Yeah. So what ESPN wants, what Fox wants with its control of uh, the Big 10 pretty locked in uh, that's going to uh to make a difference and so i guess if you're really interested to see where college football goes in the future of college football uh pay attention to the cable industry <laughs> pay yeah. attention to rights fees pay attention to espn potentially breaking off from disney pay attention to all of those things because i mean espn obviously knows that rights fees are you know what what butters their bread um but really those are those two entities are who control this turf. I imagine it's going to get ugly. Mm. I imagine there's a lot behind the scenes right now that we don't know about that is going to be incredibly meaningful over the course of the next decade. And a lot of that will have to do with TV ratings with what, if 12 is explosively successful, then we'll see more. If it's not, we'll see consolidation to be like, well, why would we have Liberty in a playoff? Why would we have... You know, this school that's not contributing much uh, in terms of eyeballs involved in this golden goose. So that, I think, ultimately is what decides the
2: future of this sport. Money. Because it's a money conversation. It's TV money. And, yeah. and we try not to be too cynical about it here because, again, we celebrate all no, this No, I mean, that's living football.
1: reality, though. But
2: this is, yeah, this is being a realist. And money is driving this. It's driven it from the start. Um, I am glad that we got a 12 team playoff. I would encourage people to write in and let us know their thoughts on um, now that we see it, how it feels to them, how they'll react to it. Would they be willing to go to one or more games like just lay it out for us wherever you can post a comment, be it social media, email, Spotify lets you post comments, YouTube if you're watching out there. Want to hear from the Verbalerhood, truly and get your take on this because it is different. It is going to span as we said earlier, I said 40 days. It felt like 40 days. It's more like 30. It's just going to be a different schedule towards the end of the season. And uh, I suspect there are a number of opinions out there from our listener base that uh, need to be heard. So maybe what we'll do Dan next week. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll do a, a gigantic two part Q and a will incorporate some of the commentary from the verbal or hood that we get as a result of this episode into those episodes next week. In addition to, other verbal questions that come in via traditional channels.
1: Can I ask you a question? Questioning your manliness, questioning, questioning. your strength, your inner strength, whatever, however my you want to describe it. Okay, as it relates to our topic. Oh, um, would Penn State hosting Notre Dame in the opening round oh of the playoff? I w- would there be a temperature for you as an equally old and soft man? as myself would there be a temperature cutoff where you'd be like i am just not going to make the drive to state college to watch this game like if it if we're isolated right it's a friday night game so you we're not doing a show right after that game you can drive back or whatever
2: and watch the rest of the games Dude, on it Saturday. was like 60 degrees this year <laughs> cutoff if it's going to be low 20s i'm out okay you wouldn't make the drive I'm for out. low 20s i'm out there's no okay. reason not to just sit at home and watch it on TV. But that
1: would be exciting for you. If it were like 48 and
2: clear, you'd make the drive three hours. Any of these stadiums are going to be electric. Yeah. With a game like this on the line. I'd even be hesitant to go to a Notre Dame-Penn State game because my rooting interests would be so splintered. <laughs> it would be a difficult watch for me. I think the
1: single best outcome campus-wise, by the way, in terms of campus advantage, realistic outcome yeah, is wisconsin hosting a first round oh yeah because the combination of weather and known atmosphere uh weather term and life term uh that it would be an incredible atmosphere and it will be brutal in madison i think that's your your biggest round one competitive advantage
2: let us know your thoughts for ballerhood we want to hear it for ballers.com as always where you can go To further support the podcast, also get some bonus perks like the ad-free episodes. Yes. Bonus episodes. I did that video um, talking through the construction of a podcast episode for our premium verbalers. Put that out on the feed a little bit earlier on in the week. I've got more that are queued up. We've got some behind-the-scenes video footage that we're going to. We got to leak some stuff, though, Ty. We got to find the solid verbal tapes. All right. Right? I'll see what I can do. I don't know. I don't know what I've got in the repository here, but if, if there's oh, anything man. to leak, I will. We could just start making stuff up. That works, too. That's true. That'd be good. For That'd that guy really over good. there, my good friend Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty Hildebrandt, thanks for downloading, listening, supporting. We'll talk to you all soon. Stay soft. Peace.